0: So, Tom, what's the last Dolphins offensive superstar in your mind? Because it seems to me the Dolphins cannot develop an offensive superstar.
1: It's been a long time since we've seen a superstar uh, on offense especially, but if I had to say, it's Ricky Williams back from, you know, his his era is obviously a little skewed because he went away from football for a little while and then came back, but Ricky Williams from 2002 – 2003... Uh, even two thousand four, he was very productive for the Dolphins. Went away, and then became very productive again in two thousand eight and two thousand and nine. So when you talk about superstar and offense, it really starts and ends with Ricky Williams. Dolphins have had nice players, but not one that can potentially scare a defense. Hey, like welcome, Ricky Yeah,
0: I get that. Yeah, very nice. Yes, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. Ricky Williams was the last guy that I could find. It was like, yeah, yeah, he's a, he's an offensive superstar. So anyways, we'll talk about uh, more about that in just a second. Uh, welcome to NFL Reckless Speculation. It's your uh, weekly dive into the world of the NFL. Today on The Big Show, we're talking with Tom Ernesty from DolphinsTalk.com. And you can follow Tom on the Twitter. It's DolphinsTalkTom. Well, that's really easy to remember. Very nice. Myself, it's TC, everybody. Your good friend, your pal, your compadre. All right, so... Another scenario question I've got for you today, Tom, is what happens if the Dolphins go sideways in 2020 Tua maybe doesn't come back from the injury as fast as everybody says he is and things just go kind of, I'll do respect the Dolphins way uh, in a bad way next year and Trevor Lawrence has this monster season at Clemson and the Dolphins end up with the number one pick. What do you do? Uh, It it really
1: depends on how that season truly goes for Tua. If Tua stays healthy and it just didn't click for him, I don't think they'd give up on him right away. And if they do end up with the number one pick, then, you know, honestly, I think the Dolphins would really just – Either sell the pick or they take Trevor Lawrence, but I think they would lean towards selling the pick to the highest bidder. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, if the Dolphins are at one, have a quarterback potentially they see as the future. If he doesn't fall flat on his face and has a decent campaign in 2020, what's that going to be? Four first round picks, five first round pick bounty that they could get for Trevor Lawrence by a quarterback needy team? I think that's the direction that they head in. In the event they have what you like to call, and what we've been calling for the last twenty years, the Dolphins' way, which is five hundred <laughs> football or less.
0: Right, right, right. Now I love Tua. I hope he. I hope he kills it for the Dolphins. And in some ways, what's the what's the last great quarterback uh, the Dolphins have had?
1: Oh, Dan Marino. Yeah, yeah. He's, and now that's Dan Marino. That's a long <laughs> uh, it's time been ago. Twenty years of
0: futility. What's the last quarterback that? Got you to the AFC championship game. Was there? It would be Dan Dan Marino. Does it be Dan Marino? No, that's terrible. Even. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's tough, man. That is tough. So, yeah. So, Miami definitely needs, uh, deserves a good quarterback, in, in my humble opinion. And I hope it's Tua. Um, I'm a I'm a I'm an Alabama fan because I'm a Minnesota sports fan and nobody wins up in Minnesota so I figure well I might as well jump on somebody's bandwagon and I'll, I jumped on the Roll Tide bandwagon a little bit to be a Fairweather fan there and uh, yeah so we'll we'll see what happens with Tua uh, now when it comes to the offensive weapons around Tua uh, how's that looking I know Devontae Parker is finally kind of developed a little bit but other than that. Anything really?
1: It's a work in progress. I think having a healthy Albert Wilson will help in the slot. They have Jakeem Grant, who's a you know kind of that gimmick gadget player that could blow the top off a of defense with his speed, or he can catch those underneath roots or take reverses. Uh, they have Isaiah Ford, who's came along nicely towards the end of last year. Preston Williams, in my opinion, is going to be the the number two target here for. Tua or even Ryan Fitzpatrick, whoever's going to start the season. And he had a very good campaign going. He had, I believe, close to 40 catches, a little over 500 yards receiving before he got hurt in the uh, game against the Jets at home last year in November. And if he didn't get hurt, I think he would have honestly been in, in the conversation with A.J. Brown in regards to wide receiver numbers. Being near the top. So Preston Williams is a below the radar name. People tend to forget where he was outside of Miami last year. I think he is ready for a bounce back campaign. And they ended up with Mike Giuseppe coming around last year, finally developed uh, a little bit more because he was utilized the right way, which he wasn't his rookie season with Adam Gase. And last but not least, Jordan Howard and Matt Breeden now as the running backs now gives more opportunity because the guys aren't just going to, you know, pin their ears back and go after the quarterback. They have two solid running backs that can take some pressure off Fitzpatrick and maybe open up the passing game a little bit more with play action, working more with viable running backs.
0: What's your opinion on can a quarterback, a great quarterback, turn an average wide receiver and an average tight end – into great players i mean it seems the answer is yes right
1: yeah the answer is yes and you know you could i could look up uh to new england as the prime example tom brady made everyone around him better i mean do we really know who julian edelman was and you know i think he was an undrafted player who played quarterback and then shifted to wide receiver he's one of the best slot receivers uh in the game and I don't think he's Hall of Fame worthy, but he's still very, very good. I mean, Deion Branch, didn't really hear much about Deion Branch. Tom Brady's, you know, pretty much put him on the radar. Uh, so I think he does he, They, – it is possible that a great quarterback can turn average players into really good players, and that's really – the. Best example that you can use is Tom Brady. He, outside of Randy Moss, has he had a name at wide receiver that was just like, "Oh wow, he has this guy at wide receiver. That's incredible." I can't think of anyone outside of Randy Moss. So yes, it is possible, and I think Tua, from that standpoint, can definitely elevate the players around him. And I believe he did that at Alabama.
0: You, you forgot the train. The you forgot the train wreck. That's called Antonio. Excuse me, <clears throat> the train wreck that's called Antonio Brown for like one game, right? So,
1: yeah, even in that one game, <laughs> Antonio
0: Brown scored a touchdown. So, exactly,
1: right. uh, he's more of the train wreck than anything else. Uh, but Tom Brady still elevates the players around him, and I believe, based on what I watched at Alabama for the last two and a half years with Tua, is he will elevate the players around him because he's such a smart football player and the guys just kind of uh go to him because he's he's such a big personality and the players in the locker room really uh really go to him i think he's going to make huge strides in miami i just hope that he gets the, to the field sooner than later
0: in 30 seconds i want to ask you about Tua and what um and and if and how excited you are for Tua. Oops, i did that again there you go Hey, if you're digging on the show, make sure you subscribe to the show on Stitcher. You can find uh, the NFL Reckless Speculation podcast there. Also Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and even Alexa. I can't say her name that loud because she is listening to me right now. All right. So when it came to the NFL draft this season, I speculated the Dolphins could trade up and get uh, Joey Burroughs at number one from the Bengals. Was there any consideration in your mind that the Dolphins should try to do that?
1: Yeah, I believe so. It's all about conviction and and who they believe in. And The rumors are out there that the Dolphins were offered a godfather-type deal to the Bengals for Joe Burrow, which didn't come to fruition, and the Dolphins didn't have to move to get Tua. But when it came to Burrow, the idea was out there. They had the plethora of draft picks three first round draft picks, two second round draft picks and four picks in the first two rounds next year. So they had the capital to be able to do that. It was, did they have enough conviction to give up all, all the draft assets to tell Cincinnati slide down from one to five and get Justin Herbert or Tua uh, and give up Joe Burrow. They just didn't feel that sentiment and the dolphins ended up keeping all their draft picks in the first two rounds and obviously next year's draft picks as well so i think they ended up with the right decision if tua didn't break his hip he would have been the first pick in the draft
0: yeah i think so i know there was a lot of talk on the dolphins tanking for tua but the dolphins didn't successfully tank for tua and they ended up with the fifth pick instead of the first pick what happened there was it the fitz magic that uh just rose up and said, no, we aren't the worst team in football.
1: I, I think a little bit had to do with Brian Fitzpatrick, but it really starts at the head coaching position with Brian Flores. He is a no-nonsense attitude. He wants to develop young players, so the roster coming apart last year was really to get younger and to bring in a lot of undrafted players. I believe the Dolphins had – 10, 11 undrafted players floating around the roster at some point last season. So Brian Flores, with his mentality, went in every week. He told Chris Greer, do what you have to do to the roster. I'm going to try to win every football game. And after the season started as slow as it did, they started to gain momentum. They win the game against the Jets. Then they go into Indianapolis and beat the Colts. Then you finish off the season beating Cincinnati then you go into new England with a lot at stake and they go and punch the Patriots in the mouth and score with seven seconds left to take the lead and win the game that knocks the Patriots out of the first round by and knocks the Patriots essentially out of the playoffs because they had to play the Titans who are hot at the time with Derrick Henry. And the rest is history. So yes, they bottomed out the roster. They traded away Laramie Tunsell and Kenny Stills. They traded away Mika Fitzpatrick and still, found a way to win five football games with that roster that they put together last year. I mean, every week I was looking at the players that were in the lineup and I was like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? What's going on? And it worked out very well. And it just shows the coaching prowess that he has. So now that the roster is much more, uh, much more talented than it was last year after free agency and the draft, what can Brian Flores do now that he has the players that fits his system, fits the defense, and he has an offense uh, that he believes now can take the the team to the next level? And it starts with Fitzpatrick, but I believe Tua is going to be fighting for that job for week one. If uh, uh, By all reports, he's healthy and he's ready to go.
0: I'm very optimistic about the uh, Dolphins this year. In fact, I've got a ment nine wins maybe even 10 if they can um surprise am i crazy
1: well well i know i'm crazy
0: but am am i crazy about the dolphins
1: uh i'm cautiously optimistic about where 2020 is going to go i'm not one to really try to make predictions or win counts until after the final preseason game but when you look at the schedule it's a tough schedule on paper but when you look at the roster you can see that they are much more talented and if they can gel, and obviously this is a very weird off season camps haven't opened yet. The buildings haven't opened yet, but if this team can gel together, especially on defense, the defense can help carry the offense uh, at times. And I think the schedule is set up, especially from the middle or end of October when they return from Denver, that schedule is set up where they only leave Miami two times in nine weeks. Wow! So it's really set up for them to make a run, and if they can hold ground in those first six games, and if they can hover at that five hundred, that five hundred record mark, there is a huge opportunity for them to really put a stamp on this season and get to potentially that at least six or seven seats So there's possibilities. I just hope everyone stays healthy and we can get to real football here soon.
0: I love the roster. I think the roster is really coming together for the Dolphins. And I think the other thing that I know on paper, it seems like, oh, no, we got to f- face both Super Bowl teams this year. But I mean, unless you're the New England Patriots, history says that the teams that made it to the Super Bowl don't make it back to the Super Bowl. I mean, the odds are the Chiefs will make it back to the Super Bowl. They have better odds than the Niners. But if you lose the Super Bowl, unless you're the Patriots, you don't make it back to the Super Bowl for five or six years. And, and for some teams, a really, really long time is long-suffering Dolphins and Vikings fans here, as we discuss. So I think, I think like a game... The problem with going to San Francisco in October is that you're going to San Francisco you're going cross-country so that makes it tough if if they were hosting the Niners I would say the Dolphins probably have a shot at winning that game more than they would in in um in, in in San Francisco and then the same goes the opposite goes for the Chiefs I think I know everybody thinks oh that's a loss on paper but is it I mean the Chiefs are going to have a down year it, it just it just that's what history says and I don't know that's that's my 10 cent take on it what are your thoughts
1: going going to san francisco and and playing them in their house uh is going to be a difficult game but i brian flores for me has earned my trust in thinking that they will be very well prepared for that football game and it's not like jimmy garoppolo is an all-world quarterback he's a good quarterback but I don't think he's going to scare defenses. So Brian Flores also knows him from his time in New England, where he coached against him whereas he was a linebacker coach and defensive, you know, uh, you know, a defensive mind with Bill Belichick uh, and Matt Patricia. So he knows maybe some of the tendencies. He's very, he's a very studious coach. He really uh, watches the film. I think they would have a chance in both of those games, whether it is in San Francisco or the Kansas City Chiefs game at home. One big thing with the Dolphins at home, they are very tough to beat in Miami when they have the heat on their side. The heat being over 100 degrees in the heat index, I don't care who you are, if you're not practicing in it, that's a tough game to go to because that heat on that field is sweltering. It is unbelievable how hot it is at that stadium. At a 1 o'clock game on a Sunday in November, it is crazy hot so uh, any team coming to miami is going to have to deal with that heat and you always have a chance if the dolphins can wear you down there's there's a chance those games are wins so the chiefs are going to be very tough game the 49ers very tough game but i trust brian flores is going to have the team prepared to go into those two games especially uh the two uh prior super bowl teams and have them ready to play and have them competing for for a
0: win we're talking to Tom Ernesty from dolphinstalk.com. You can find Tom on the Twitter of Love. It's Dolphins Talk Tom. So we we mentioned the San Francisco 49ers. They had a, they had a they kind of had been building something over the previous couple of years, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're in the Super Bowl. And it seems to me Miami, with the defense, is kind of following that mold. And in just 30 seconds, I want to ask you about that.
1: Hey, everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called, Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did you have a bad day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us.
0: Hey, uh, once again, if you're digging on the show and you like the cut of my jib, uh, sans uh, my little, uh, well, I learned a valuable lesson today, Tom. Never go to ESPN when you're talking to somebody because ESPN's got the dreaded autoplay ads, which are the worst things in the world. I've learned that I need to go to Pro Football uh, or was it Pro Football Reference instead of ESPN. What are your thoughts on ESPN? Is it is it the evil empire? Is it like uh, the Patriots at this point?
1: Well, the way they covered the Patriots <laughs> for the last 20 years, I consider them an evil empire. <laughs> They're not really giving anybody else, uh, you know, a thumbs up. It's always, you know, New England this, New England that. Dallas this, Dallas that. So, I ESPN for me, I love, you know, from time to time I'll, I'll watch whatever's on ESPN. I'm not I'm not big into the talk shows like get up and listen to Mike Greenberg, All screw right. up and about yep. the Jets and yep. I, I just – at times I can't do that stuff. So, uh, But when it comes to, like, Monday Night Football, I'm glad they're getting some new announcers.
0: Oh, That's yeah. Right. You're not a big Every fan of Booger? I on mute. You're not a big fan of Booger? Uh,
1: no. I mean, the weather – you know, the weather is really cold today, which means that it's cold out. And the players are <laughs> going to be cold. Back to you in the booth. I, I mean, no, I can't – I couldn't deal with Booger McFarlane. <laughs>
0: He's like uh, the Denny Green of uh, broadcasters. You know, there's two teams that wanted to win. And when that happens, only one team can win. Man, it's just, yeah. it's just He's that. like
1: the John. He was the new John Madden, except he wasn't very good.
0: <laughs> exactly. So I uh, mentioned the the Niners. They had that pop up season last year. Maybe it's not a pop up season. Maybe they're now for real because they have they have a good team. Uh, uh, can the Dolphins be that because adding Byron Jones and drafting the quarterback, Noah, Igb... and then, yeah, there you go. Exactly. Uh, and then, uh, you added a couple other free agents and then I love Raquan Davis. I don't know if he's going to make an impact, uh, but I love Raquan Davis, uh, as a, as a, as a, on a, on the defensive line. And he, what are your thoughts on the defense? And can it be, uh, Can it be a top five, top ten defense this year in the NFL? Uh,
1: I don't know if we can jump from 32nd to 10th. You were 32nd last year?
0: Oh, my God. I can't believe. No, they they weren't. Really? The defense
1: was terrible. Oh, yeah. If you look at the first four games of the year, they gave up 53 to Baltimore. They gave up 41 to New England. They gave up 30-something to Dallas and another 30 to the Chargers. So
0: but how, how did the season end, numbers though? Their
1: were skewed right off the rip. They were much improved at the end of the year because yeah. everybody that was on defense now understood Brian Flores' philosophies, what he was trying to get out of the defense, and they played a lot better than what they did in the first four games of the season. Fast forward now, they have players now that fit the system. Kyle Van Oy ran that system in New England to perfection. They have Byron Jones, who is a man-to-man lockdown corner. Pair him with a a healthy Xavier Howard, now you have two outside corners that can just play man-press coverage. You draft Noah Igmanagabi, and he is a man-to-man corner. So now you have a guy in the slot that can play man-to-man, either on the linebacker or a slot receiver. The versatility is there. Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Agba. You draft Rayquan Davis, you have Christian Wilkins, you have Jerome Baker, Vince Beagle. You have guys that can play at linebacker. You have guys that can play on the edge at a three, four, you know, shifting from the inside to the outside. So there's a lot of versatility. There's going to be a lot of standing up that, that kind of like, uh, what do they call it? Like that ghost call where everybody is just moving around and standing and not having their hand in the dirt. dollars wants he wants versatility and he wants guys to disguise what they're trying to accomplish on defense Thirty second to 10th probably not but (laughs) arguably right now i can see them as maybe a top 15 defense they're definitely going to be a top 20 defense based on what i'm seeing on paper but if they again if they can gel together and do the right things they have the leadership now intact they have the versatility sky's the limit and I think they're starting to really build something because if you look at the the entire roster, there's one player on the roster that's 30 years old, and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's going to be 38. Everybody else is under 30. Wow. So it's a very young roster, and that was their intention. They wanted to get young. They wanted to develop players and have sustainability. They want to try to mirror what the Patriots have done. They want to try to mirror what – the Chiefs built they want to try to mirror what the 49ers built so the blueprint is there now they just have to execute
0: what's the one draft pick that you were most excited about whether it was Tua or whether it was uh, a guy like Robert Hunt uh, on the uh, offensive line Um, was there somebody that's like tickled your fancy quite a bit it's just like ooh, I really really love this pick
1: uh, everyone's gonna say Tua. I w- I had a live video of myself celebrating Tua with a shot of tequila after he was taken. So <laughs> I was excited for Tua. But if we put if we move him to the side, another pick that I was really really excited about was Curtis Weaver in the fifth round. The guy was projected as a first maybe early to mid second round pick and he fell to the fifth and the Dolphins again add a guy with versatility he's a guy that can put his hand in the dirt they may try him as like a stand-up outside linebacker from time to time but that pick was was surprising when I was doing a lot of mock drafts in the in the offseason prior to the draft Curtis Weaver just kept standing out in mock drafts as a guy that's going in the 20s maybe into the 30s or early 40s, and he falls all the way to the fifth round. So I was very excited when they drafted Curtis Weaver out of Boise State.
0: I'm very much a fan of offensive linemen. I believe that if you can succeed on the defensive line and the offensive line, you're going to have some success, even with a, even with a mediocre quarterback, if you've got an outstanding offensive line. And the Dolphins made two huge picks, no pun intended uh, with Austin Jackson and Robert Hunt. What's your opinion of those guys? And um, yeah, I mean, yeah. just What's your opinion of them?
1: Uh, Austin Jackson. I was surprised with that pick. Uh, I thought they, they would go another direction at 18 and maybe Austin Jackson sitting there at 26, but they liked him and he's young. He's raw. I believe he's, he's, he's a very raw talent. Uh, he didn't do very well against uh, some of the edge rushers that were taken early in the draft, like AJ Esparza. He struggled against, um, but he has he has the talent, he has the ability, he has the athleticism. That's what they really liked about him was that he is extremely athletic and he can he can run. And if they can get his blocking down. He's a solid left tackle at 18. Does he replace Laramie Tunsil? No, I mean Laramie Tunsil is Laramie Tunsil. But having a young player like Austin Jackson with his kind of personality and the player who, that he is—I mean, if you watched on draft night, you notice with the Dolphins' draft pick of Austin Jackson and then Noah Igbinogu he those two players had amazing backstories and austin jackson giving bone marrow to his sister so she could survive a serious disease and where he missed football because of it so a lot of the tape that austin jackson had he was just getting back into football form i mean the surgery took a lot out of him to help save his sister so they believe based on his body of work and what he did prior to that surgery it was worth having that 18th pick and robert hunt i i mean from the moment that he interviewed with the south florida media i'm i'm hooked i want this guy on the field right away he said he i believe he stated something as what can you, I mean, I like to go out there and I like to throw people around and I don't get in trouble for it. I mean, what other profession (laughs) can you do that? So that's the type of player that I like to see, especially on the offensive line. I'd like to see those road graders. i like to see those guys really get after it at the second level. If they get a free block on a linebacker, I want them to put them in the ground. Robert hunts the type of guy that can do that where they play him right now is a question. Do they start him at right tackle or they keep him at right guard? He played both in college. Time will tell. I think they're going to give him a shot at right tackle, but I, I love the way that they, they address the offensive line. Bringing Ted Karras in at center and free agency, signing Eric Flowers, who looked like a, a true offensive lineman, especially at guard. He's not going to be a tackle anymore. That's gone. But he played well in Washington at guard. It's a low-risk, high-reward contract with him at three years 30 million putting them at left guard or right guard again it's a balancing act i don't know where they're going to play these guys just yet but the offensive line being much improved on paper again it's got to help it, it, it doesn't help right now until the games are played but their offensive line was ranked dead last last year so just like everything else the only way to go is up and this offensive line is trending up how
0: can you have the 32nd-ranked offensive line and the 32nd-ranked defense and still not be the worst team in football? <laughs> like I guess that says something about the Bengals. So.
1: It says something <laughs> about the Bengals. I mean, they didn't try. They had one of the higher salary caps last year on their rosters. Uh, combined. You know, all combined, I think they had, like, the sixth or seventh highest-paid roster in football. And they get one victory last season. And the Dolphins who bottomed out and had the lowest paid team based on salary cap gets five. And that again is a tip to the coaching staff and how they prepare their players. And that, that just shows that maybe Brian Flores is the right decision for the long term.
0: Uh, The website is DolphinsTalk.com. You can find uh, Tom's podcast there as well. And you can follow Tom on Twitter at DolphinsTalk.com. Last question, I appreciate your time today. And this is going to go completely NFL reckless speculation on you. All right. When 2021 comes around, what's more likely to have happened? The Dolphins have the number one pick, or the Dolphins made it to—I'm not going to say the Super Bowl—the AFC Championship game.
1: What is what's more likely? What's um, more likely to
0: happen? Yeah, AFC Championship game or the number one pick in in 2021.
1: AFC Championship
0: game. Boom! I like it. I love it. Yes, I agree. Concurrently could not even concurrently, but yeah, indubitably yeah. and love indubitably as uh, they would say, unarrested development. Yeah. Uh, all right. Beautiful. And why, in your humble opinion, will they be in the AFC championship game? And you said it, so now you're on record. <laughs> I said it. Uh, <laughs> but you only had two choices. Okay. You know, I, get it's it. okay I get it. I get it. it. That yeah, it's on yeah. record,
1: but I think that this team is going to be better than what it takes to get the first pick this year for like, you know, being it, that it's Trevor Lawrence that's on the table it's going to take zero wins and the Dolphins proved last year with a bottomed out roster with no immediate talent outside of, you know, maybe a handful of guys that they won five games with that. So being that they're more improved, there's 0% chance. I think they end up with the number one overall selection, but there is a good chance that they could find a way to sneak into the playoffs. So I have to go with that.
0: Very nice. I appreciate the time, Tommy. NFL pod, and uh, I can't talk today. I'm just, uh, it's, it's too early in the morning and it's still, it's, it's 10 o'clock and I just, I haven't gotten my groove on here yet, buddy boy. So I apologize. NFL Reckless Speculation is the podcast. Uh, once again, DolphinsTalk.com. You can find Tom uh, over there and uh, let's put this big show in the book. It's TC, everybody, and I'll see you in the emergency room.
1: Smartphones have made it easier than ever to capture the moments that matter most in our lives. But all too often, those memories end up stuck on our devices or in the cloud. Fracture prints your digital photos directly onto glass, making your favorite moments come alive in vivid color. Hand assembled in the USA in our solar-powered facility, Fracture glass prints are a unique and beautiful way to display and share your favorite moments. They also make thoughtful gifts. Simply upload your photo at FractureMe.com, select your size, and your glass print will be shipped to you, ready to hang with just one screw. Use code POD15 in your cart to get 15% off your order. Focus on moments that matter with Fracture Glass Prints.